Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, that's where we're going to be in God's Word today. And I do want to say that it is good to be back. Um, I'm so thankful for Brother Brandon McQuillan. I'm so thankful for Brother Jeremy Crow. I'm so thankful for Brother Wayne Moncrief. Uh, these guys stood up and preached the Word for me while I was out. And uh, aren't we blessed that we have so many men and so many people who step up when people are gone to serve? Amen. Um, it reminds me sometimes when I look up here on this praise team, when I look up here, I see different guys in different places and different girls in different places leading. And God has really put together an incredible team at Start Baptist Church, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve Him and serve one another and serve this community, and we're here to do it together. And I'm so glad that when, when one piece of the puzzle is pulled out, another piece is inserted. I'm so glad that ministry keeps moving and keeps going uh, even though sometimes we take a step back or we take a pause, God never pauses. He continues to move and He continues to work. And we're going to continue in this series in the book of Acts. Uh, if you'll remember back in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told His disciples that they would be His witnesses. He said, you will be my witnesses. He said, the Spirit will come upon you and will empower you and will enable you to go out and share the good news, the gospel. And that's what they've been doing. Jesus said, hey, you'll go into Jerusalem. He said, you'll go into Judea. You'll go into Samaria. You'll go to the ends of the earth, and you'll be my witnesses. And we've seen that throughout the book of Acts. And I'm going to tell you something. We're going to see it again today. Uh, today, we're going to see just how powerful God can be, right, when we put our eyes on Him, take our eyes off of self, and put our eyes on Him, we'll see what God can do because as we see in God's Word, God shows no favoritism. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to reaching every person, every nation in this world, God shows no favoritism. I heard a story about President Thomas Jefferson, and I want to share it with you. President Thomas Jefferson and a group of his companions were traveling across the country on horseback. They came to a river that had overflowed its banks, and the storms had washed the bridge away. And so the riders, including Thomas Jefferson, uh, had to cross the river on horseback. And they knew that they could be injured. They knew that they could possibly even drown. Well, there was a stranger standing there. He was looking across that river and he was looking back at President Thomas Jefferson and these soldiers. But this stranger didn't have a clue who that was. And he looked at each one of those soldiers as they got on their horse and they crossed into that river. But he watched them and the one that he approached was the president. And he asked the president, can I ride with you across this river? And the president agreed without any hesitation. Once they made it across the river, the president's companions, his soldiers, asked him why he selected, why he selected the president to, to climb on that horse with the president and go across the river. The man was shocked, and he looked at the soldiers and said, I had no clue this was the president. I had no clue that this was President Thomas Jefferson. All I know was... On your faces was written, written the word no, and on his face was written the answer yes. And so this stranger was looking at each one of these soldiers 
asking himself, will he give me a ride? Will he give me a ride? Will he give me a ride? And every one of their faces, every one of their persona, if you will, said no to him. But the president's face and the president's persona said yes. That's an incredible story. I want to ask you this morning a couple of questions. First of all, have you ever suffered because of favoritism? Have you ever suffered personally because of favoritism? Now, before you answer that question boldly with, yes, I have suffered through favoritism, you better ask this question too. Have you ever caused someone to suffer because of favoritism? See, I believe probably in this place we've all participated in both. We've been ones who've been shown favor, or maybe we weren't shown favor, and maybe we've been the ones to show favor or not show favor. We've participated in favoritism one way or another. I want to describe to you or define to you what that word favoritism means. Merriam-Webster says it well. Merriam-Webster says in the dictionary, favoritism is the showing of special favor, and the word that is used predominantly is partiality. That's what favoritism is. And in Acts chapter 10, what we're going to see when it comes to God's salvation, when it comes to kingdom purpose, God shows no favoritism to anyone. He doesn't show favoritism. God receives everyone who fears him and believes in Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. And I'm going to tell you something. We ought to line up with that. All right, so one person said amen. We as a church better line up with the Word of God or He will take His hands off of us. Do you hear me? When it comes to right or wrong, God is always right. Always right. And His Word is always right. And so if God says, I will receive everyone who fears me and who believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the church better line up with that. And the church better receive anyone and everyone who comes to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and puts their fear in God. The church better line up with it. Or I can tell you real fast, God will take his hand off that church and that church will fall. Because God's church is going to always line up with God and line up with his word. It won't be self and opinion. It will always be truth. That's what God honors. And that's what God uses in a world to make a kingdom impact. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want Start Baptist Church to just make some kind of impact. I want Start Baptist Church to make a kingdom impact because it's the kingdom impact that will last forever. Forever. And that's what I want us to see today. And I believe we'll see it in a guy named Peter. Matter of fact, let's look at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8, before we get to Peter. We're going to get to a guy named Cornelius, and you're going, who? Exactly. He's a guy that don't have a lot of Scripture written about him, but what Scripture he does have written about him is very important. Listen to what it says. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8 says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. 
he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now I want you to see right off the bat in Acts chapter 10, so far this ain't about Peter, this is about Cornelius, but Peter is attached to the story. I want you to see first and foremost that God speaks to Cornelius in a vision. He speaks to Cornelius in a vision. And I don't want you to miss this. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. Do you know who he was? He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was a Roman soldier, a Gentile. And what we see is that before Peter gets there, what is God already doing? God is already talking to him. God is already showing him something. God is already stirring his heart. This is so important because what used to be racial and prejudicial lines drawn in the sand, you know what God is doing? He's erasing those lines. And so he's speaking to Cornelius, a Roman soldier, a Gentile. The Bible tells us he was a God-fearing man. That's what the Bible says. You may be going, well, what does that title mean? Well, this was a title used by Jews for Gentiles who turned away from their pagan gods and began to worship Almighty God. And so this was a term that Jews used about Gentiles. And so the Bible tells us that Cornelius was a devout man, a God-fearing man. And what we see in this passage is not only does God speak to Cornelius, but Cornelius obeys God. He obeys God's commands. After God called his name, the only question he asked is, what is it, Lord? What is it, Lord? He he was ready to hear what the Lord had to say to him. He was ready to walk in wherever and however God wanted him to walk. And so he went and shared the news of what God had said to him with his servants. And one of his servants was a devout servant, another one who would have been called religious in the day. And so he sends them on their way towards Peter. And you might be thinking, well, why Peter? Why why didn't he send him to one of the others? Why didn't he send him to, 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 to Saul or Paul? Or why didn't he send him to, you know, one of the other apostles? Why does he single out Peter? Well, Peter was on a roof praying at Simon the Tanner's house. And the Bible tells us that he was hungry and he was ready to eat. But God. Amen? But God. I want you to see a but God story in Peter's life right now. And you might be thinking, well, wasn't Peter fired up? And wasn't Peter preaching the gospel? And wasn't Peter going to Samaria and all these places and praying over them? And wasn't the Holy Spirit falling on people? Yes, but Peter ain't perfect. Neither am I. Neither are you. And sometimes God has to show us something. And just as he 
spoke to Cornelius, watch what he does to Peter. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. It says, he saw heaven opened. So Peter sees a vision. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And look at how Peter responds. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Now, why do you think they stopped at the gate? Because they were in a Jewish place. And guess what? Gentile men, they weren't welcome inside the gate. So they stopped at the gate. The Bible says they stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, he, he's still trying to figure out, God, what are you doing? What, what are you saying to me? While he was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate. Do you see those three words? Do not hesitate. That's pretty important. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Again, important words. So that they could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. In other words, that line in the sand at the gate that divided Jews and Gentiles, Peter said, let's get rid of that line. Y'all come on in. It wasn't even his house. <laughs> it was Simon the Tanner's house. But Peter said, come on in. And the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So God now speaks to Peter in a vision. God spoke to Cornelius in a vision. And Cornelius obeyed God immediately and said, go to this guy. Go, go to this guy. Find this guy and tell him to come back. And so now God speaks to Peter in a vision. And Peter's vision is just a little bit different than Cornelius' vision. Just as God spoke to Cornelius, he spoke to Peter. And what Peter is about to find out is that God had a divine plan for a divine appointment. Have we been talking about some divine appointments the last couple of weeks? I know we have. We've been talking about divine appointments, right? God putting us in front of people and with people for a kingdom purpose. And so God had a divine plan with a divine appointment. 
And it was an incredible truth for all of Jesus' witnesses, the ones that Jesus said, you'll go and be my witness. Initially, Peter does what? He hesitates. How do I know he hesitates? Because the angel has to come back to him, and what did the angel say? Three words. Do not hesitate. (laughs) See, Peter was stuck on that roof going, God, what are you saying to me? What are you trying to tell me? This vision, you had to show it to me three times. Listen, when God has to say something three times or show you something three times, you better wake up. (laughs) You better wake up. It's pretty important, amen? I would say when God tells you one time, it's important. When God shows you one time, it's important. But if he has to tell you three times, right, you better wake up. And so initially, Peter hesitates. Let's talk about that vision and what made him hesitate. God gave him a vision about clean and unclean food. But this was not about food, was it? Even though Peter was hungry and Peter was getting ready to eat, God just took something that was tangible and something that was in front of Peter to show him, hey, you're missing the big picture. You're missing the big point. God was about to move Peter spiritually and evangelically, not just physically. And the Lord reminds Peter of Jesus' own words when, when, when the angel said, hey, get up and kill and eat. What does Peter say? No way. No, never. I've never done that. I'm not eating something that's unclean. But what does the Lord remind Peter? The Lord reminds Peter of Jesus' words, and those words are found in Mark 7. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, all foods are clean. What God has made clean, don't call unclean. But as we see, it takes three times for the Lord to explain that for Peter. Peter wonders, what is this really about? This was not about changing Peter's diet. Anybody here ever ever gone on a diet? Probably most of us, all of us. Maybe one or two hasn't, right? I've always said I don't like diets because the first three letters of diet spells die. Okay? I'm one of those that likes what Jesus, what what God said in in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 in the creation story before sin. You know what God said? Go and eat freely. Right? But sin messed things up, didn't it? It messed things up. It messed food up. It messed us up. And so Peter's thinking about eating. He's thinking about food. And God says, boy, I don't want you thinking about food. I want you thinking about kingdom. I want you thinking about ministry. And so Peter is thinking about Old Testament law. Do you know what the Old Testament law was? Leviticus chapter 11. Do you know why that law was given? It was to separate themselves from the idolatry of the people around them. That's what it was all about in the Old Testament. But Peter ain't living in the Old Testament, is he? Peter's not living under the Old Covenant, is he? Okay, do I need to go back and teach the Old Testament? Peter is not living under the Old Covenant. You know what Peter is covered by and living in? The New Covenant which is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? That's what he's living under. And so he's he's attached this law, this physical law, this way of eating, Leviticus chapter 11, and and he's made it something that really and truly it's no longer intended to be. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, all foods are clean. 
What, what God calls clean, no one can call unclean. It just shows you how easy it can be. How easy it can be to fall under old law when Jesus said, I have made all things new. I have fulfilled that law. So now you live under this covenant and not that covenant. So with the life and the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the new covenant has begun. The new covenant is is being lived out. And so God ended those dietary restrictions. And I'm going to tell you, God's teaching Peter, he's about to end some racial divisions and some prejudice divisions that have been put up, right? Prejudices and racism, all of those things are about to be knocked down. And so the angel says to him, do not hesitate. In other words, get down off of this roof and get down there and meet these men that were sent to you by God. And what does Peter do? He obeys. He stops thinking and wondering and questioning and he goes immediately downstairs. In this moment, he even invites the Gentile men into Simon the Tanner's house. The Gentile men cross through the gate. Don't you know there were some people watching that? And don't you know there was probably some ooing and some on and how dare he going on? Oh, yeah, there were some people looking at that going, what is this? Peter says, come on in. So to make a long story short, Peter sets out with them. That's what the Bible says right there in that last verse we read. Peter sets out with them. He goes to Cornelius' house. The Bible tells us that Cornelius' house is filled with a large gathering of people. That's what Acts chapter 10 says. A large gathering of people. And and Peter, he even acknowledges the truth, right, that all of them would have known. Here's what he says. He says, it is against our law. And it's an old law, by the way. He says, it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. He, he says that right off the bat, but guess what he's doing? Guess where he's doing that? He's doing that in a Gentile house. He's saying, I recognize a law that I have come accustomed to, that I have submitted to in the past. It is a Jewish law that I have agreed with. But he went on to say, but God. Don't you love this? Peter says, but God, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure. Notice now, Peter gets it, right? He didn't get it on the roof when he was wondering and thinking and wondering and thinking. No, he just did what God told him to do. He obeyed God, and in the obedience, God says, here's what it's about. Because now he's standing in the Gentile house... And he says, here's what it's about. Here's what he says. He says, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. That's what he says to Cornelius. And so Cornelius tells him all about vision from God and what he said and what he did. And guess what it does? It sets the stage for Peter to be Jesus' witness. Right? Not in Jerusalem but in a Gentile land, in a Gentile house with a Gentile audience. Of all people, you might at the beginning of the story go, why Peter? Now you know. 
Peter is about to be a part of God breaking down all kinds of walls and barriers and divisions that were set up by Jews and Gentiles. He's about to wipe it all out through Peter's obedience. So what does Peter do? Look at it with me in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Look at what he said. He said, I now realize. Right? So even when he was walking with God, even when he was serving God, Peter still struggled, didn't he? He struggled between right and wrong. He struggled between what is good and what is bad. But thank God, God keeps speaking to us. Amen? And God keeps teaching us, and God keeps giving us opportunities to get it right. Because Peter says, I now realize how true, I realize the truth, how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And watch this. Verse 36, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel. How is he saying that? Because Cornelius is already what? Praying to God, talking to God, listening to God. Now, it doesn't mean that he is saved yet. It means that God has begun, right? Begun the process of salvation, stirring his heart, making him aware of who God is and what God has done and what God can and will do. So he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. So up to this point, when has Cornelius mentioned that name? He has not. Up to this point, he has not mentioned Jesus Christ. You want to know why? It's probably because one of two things. Either he hasn't heard about this Jesus Christ yet, or he didn't understand who this Jesus Christ was. But Peter's about to give it to him. He says, I'm announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of who? Of all. Not just Lord of the Jews, Lord of all. You know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging him on a cross. And verse 40, the first two words, <laughs> but God, amen? Peter's going through a but God experience, and now he's telling him about a but God experience. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. What an awesome passage of Scripture. This is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings salvation, that brings life change for anyone at any time, at any place who fears God and believes him. So Peter speaks the gospel. Don't miss this. He didn't just go and carry him some food and say, God bless you. And don't miss me. Don't, don't miss my point. That's a good thing. Feed people who are hungry. Put clothes on people who are naked. Do good things. But I'm going to tell you something. At some point, you got to speak Jesus Christ. 
What, what separates the church from feeding people from some other organization that feeds people? What, 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 what's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. It's the message that we have inside of us that needs to be outside of us. And so Peter speaks the gospel message. He doesn't just stand there and, hey, how you doing? Love you. He speaks the message of the gospel, and it is the message of the gospel that offers salvation. At this point, he understands the truth of God's salvation and that it is available to everyone who fears God, to everyone who will hear and believe and receive Jesus Christ. What does he preach? Let's keep it real simple. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can find it all right there in verses 34 through 40. He didn't leave nothing out. Life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he preached. That's what he spoke. And guess what the Bible says? I'm not going to try to read the whole passage, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God is poured out on who? Guess who? The Gentiles. Yeah. The Holy Spirit of God is poured out on the Gentiles, the them, right? Over theirs. They. Yeah. The Holy Spirit of God is poured out. The ones who traveled with Peter were most likely Jews. Right? And the Bible says they were amazed at what was happening. Why were they amazed? Because up to this point, the only time they had ever seen the Holy Spirit fall was on who? On Jews. But now guess what they're seeing? Man, what God did in Jerusalem, what God did in Judea, what God did in Samaria, God's doing here. Same God, amen? Yeah, the same God that saved Jeff and start Louisiana is the God who's saving people over in Nicaragua. Same same God who's saving people down in Australia. Same God who's saving people over in Europe and Asia and China. God can, God does, and God will. Despite me and my favoritism sometimes and my partiality sometimes. These Gentiles believed. That's what the Bible says. And because they believed, the gift of the Holy Spirit was now theirs. You know what Peter said? What can stop us from doing what? Baptizing. He, he just saw the Holy Spirit fall on. Now he said, let's make, it, let's make it even public. And let's make it relevant. Let's get out here and get in the water. So that we can talk about the death and the resurrection. The old gone. The new is here. So he takes them right out and baptizes them. Right? The believers, they're, they're amazed and the Gentiles, you know what they do? Hey, Peter, can you stay a couple more days? Can, can you stay a few more days? And guess what? Peter does. And, and, and I kind of wish this chapter kept going, right? So that we could hear more, more testimony being preached, more gospel message being preached, more people saying yes to Jesus, more Holy Spirit falling, more baptism. I wish we could see that, but here's the truth. I bet it happened. I bet it happened. You know why? Because God says... When his word goes out, it will not return void. That's a promise of God. God shows no favoritism. God shows no partiality. None. Maybe that's why Jesus said and showed that we are to pray for our enemies. That we are to love even our enemies. 
that we are to pray for those and love on those, even the ones we disagree with. Why? Because God shows no partiality. I mean, if God can save me, God can save you. If God can save me, God can save anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place, any nationality, any skin color. Because God shows no partiality. Period. None. So neither will I. And neither will we. Start Baptist Church. When somebody comes in and wants to hear the gospel message, we're going to give it to them. Notice I didn't say I'm going to give it to them. I said we're going to give it to them. Because God's going to give you opportunities just like he gives me. Right? Not just to put a piece of bread in front of somebody, but to give them the bread from your mouth that's in your heart that God gave you that saved your life. Not your physical life, but your spiritual life, your eternity. That's who we want to be. That's who we have to be because this world, right, it, it, it is suffering. This world is suffering. This world is in chaos. It's in complete and utter chaos. And there's only one One, one man who can, who does, and who will make the difference, and his name is Jesus. And how dare me ever withhold Jesus from anybody or anyone because God never withheld Jesus from me. I don't don't find this coincidence that God would have me in this chapter on this message on the weekend of what we call Independence Day. I thank God for America. I do. I love this country. I thank God for men and women who serve, who have served, who are serving in every military branch, police officers, firefighters, first responders, leaders. I thank God that I can preach today, that it can be broadcast, that it can be put out there for anybody, anywhere to listen to. I thank God for those freedoms, but I'm going to tell you something. I belong to God. And I'm going to live forever with God. Forever with God. And my allegiance belongs to Him. That is who I am. God didn't save me because I was born in the United States. And as much as I love Start Louisiana, because I love telling people I'm from Start, and I love hearing them go, where? We had some of these conversations this week. Where is Mangum? How do you, what, Mangham? How do you spell that? How close is it to New Orleans? I usually try to, hey, that's way off. It's not way off when you're way, way, way off. But I'm going to tell you something. You better be careful who you identify yourself as because you will become who you identify yourself as. You will serve who you identify yourself as. You'll begin to tell yourself who you are and whose you are and why you are, and you'll miss what God says. Because, see, God says, I'm His child, that I was created in His image, that it was God who breathed the breath of life into me, not the United States. It wasn't even my mom or my dad that breathed life into me. It was God who breathed life into me. Am I proud to be a Thomas, born of John and Pat? Absolutely I am. I thank God for the mom and dad he gave me. I I tell people this all the time. I go to OCS now, and I'm I'm no longer Coach Thomas. I'm Miss Thomas' husband, right? 
or I'm one of the Thomas kids' daddy. Like the whole Coach Thomas thing, there's a few still around. I got Coach Thomas, and people are like, what? But here's the thing. I'm not identified as Marty's husband or Katie's daddy or Jacob's daddy or Jonah's daddy or Frank. You know who I am? I'm a child of God. That's who I am. And he has blessed me with the opportunity to be a husband and a father, to be a child, to be a citizen of this country, to be a, to be a member of this community. But none of that defines who I really am. And none of that should ever set up walls and barriers to separate me from anybody else anywhere. And if you can find the scripture that tells me to do that, we'll have a conversation. But until then, guess what? Yeah, it ain't up for debate. Because I read Acts chapter 10 where Peter says, I finally realize, I realize the truth now that God shows no favoritism. And if I'm going to say I love God, guess what? I better say I love people. And I better not put a but behind it. But, no, I, I love God and I love people. Do I have to agree with them all the time? No, because I don't. Do I have to like the way they live or like the choices? No, I don't. But here's the thing. If I love God, i got to love people. And i got to pray for them and i got to tell them the truth. Tell them the truth of God's Word and allow God to move in them and through them. So if God does not show favoritism, and if God shows salvation, offers salvation to everyone, then as His witnesses, we got to do the same. Amen? No favoritism. The gospel message, the truth of God's love, it is not ours to contain and to offer to whomever we want to, whenever we want to. Oh no, it is God's gospel, it is God's truth, and it should be offered whenever, however, and to whomever God puts in front of us, or whomever, however, or wherever God takes us. So, As Cornelius and as Peter, let's be ready to hear what God has to say to us. Let's be ready to see what God has to show us. And let's be ready to obey. Amen? Let's obey what God has to say to us. It'll be for His glory. And it'll be for His witness. Not mine.